huge thank you. Got to see it sell with uh, with Gerald Swindell, the G-Man. I'm learning some kayak and kayak you are, fishing. Yeah. Welcome to the Kayak Bass Fishing Podcast. It's, hey, this is iCast and podcast. We're doing it all. We're doing it all. Right, right. Get, Getting it all in. The Friday funk day. We're about right. made it through the show. Have you seen How? a lot of stuff that you like here? Some. Some. You know, there's a lot of wash, rinse, repeat. I've seen some weird lures. That, yeah. I've weird seen some lures. stuff that I don't even know what. I don't know. Some guy gave me a rubber turtle. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, those have happened. I don't even know what to say. He said, what do you think? I said, well, it looks like a rubber turtle. Maybe eating, <laughs> may not I, be eating. I took what he said, you know. So, I got some good questions for you. People are probably wondering what the hell's a G-Man got to do with kayak fishing? It's fishing. It's fishing, right? So I tell, I, you know, I fished last year at Gunners before we get in. I, I fished up and I'm just going down the bank fishing and I see a, a gentleman, he's kayaking down the bank and he's fishing. And, He's like, hey man, I recognize you, big fan. So we started talking. He said, I don't want to bother you. You know, I'm a kayak fisherman. I said, let me stop you right there. I said, I said as long as you're fishing, right. we good. Exactly. You know, I said, I don't care if you're in an inner tube, you're in a bass boat, you're in a kayak. If you're fishing, we got the same passion. Absolutely. You know, I said, so you don't worry about bothering me. I said, man, it's, that's, I think, what's cool to me is what I watch you guys bring in, like kayak fishing and the whole kayak industry. It's just introducing people into the, the love of the game. Right. You know? If it wants to grow into an $80,000 glass boat, let it. If they want to stay in the river the rest of life, let it. But it's one more person casting and reeling in. Absolutely. And as long as that's growing, we're going to be fine. With that, segue, you're talking passions. Which one's your bigger passion? Deer or hunting? Let's talk about it. Which one is it? My wife says I have to catch them really good to pay for my hunting habits. Because she said this man, but I think Andy Morgan and myself are probably the most I, you know, I hate to use the word avid, but by far the most deer craziest deer hunters out there. I mean, like, okay. bow hunting truly is my passion. It's where I find, uh, in a weird way, kind of serenity, uh, a lot of alone time, uh, a lot of recharge, you right. know, to, to relight the fire. Uh, each year you, you can get tired, you can get burnt out. So I spend time in the woods. Sometimes it's not about the kill. It's about me uh, mentally where I want to be, trying to, trying to come back down. Uh, staying in touch with the outdoors, but I do love bow hunting. So you like the you just like the introspective piece of it. I really do. I, yeah. I, I like I like the a lot of times just sitting and watching animals day by day. I think keeps me as a better fisherman because I know those mornings when all the squirrels are playing that the mother nature's alive. The fish are biting. You know, so right. you see a lot of that that you think well, it has really nothing to do with fishing. Yeah, it does. Right. There's certain days when big deer move, and there's certain days when big fish just bite. Right. Well, and, and Rick Clunsley, like, I mean, Rick, yeah. Rick is very much a nature guy. I was fortunate enough to grow up around around Rick in, in Texas, and I know he very much is kind of that be in tune with nature and everything yeah. around you really helps you with that entire pro, you know, that entire process. You notice things, right. you pick up on it, and, and that's why I tell people like, like the key to deer hunting. Sometimes I say, what is the key to, to killing a big deer? Going enough, going enough till you recognize the day. Right. And you say today's the day that not only the deer you're hunting's moving, there's a lot of big ones moving. There's days bass fishing, there's no explanation. The big ones just bite. Right. It's just their day. And I think when you see that early and you acknowledge it and you react to it, it's the days that you really you stand out in the crowd. So from a profession perspective, if you had a choice, if, if the deer hunting profession was there like the bass fish, which one would it be? I, I would probably bass fish. And, I, and the reason why is I've, I filmed five years with Outdoor Channel and making a living, a good living in the outdoor channel uh, TV show industry is really tough. What I didn't like about it is when you add a partner in a tree with you, it takes away from the hunt. 
you can add a cameraman in the boat with me and it doesn't take away from my performance. Okay. I feel like having two people in the woods can be a handicap. Two people in the boat is just, it's just blah to me. It doesn't, so I think fishing is the route I would always stay to compete at to, to make a living. And, you, and, and, and your peaceful <coughs> side? I want to keep it in the woods. Keep it in the woods. Gotcha. Uh, okay. That's why I actually stepped away from filming. It was The show was still rated really high and I just give it up. I was like, I'm done. They're like, why am I? It's not fun. Right. You know, I, it's not peaceful anymore. It's not It's not that spiritual connection. It, you just kind of lost it. It just got way too commercialized and it's it's just when you when you put that much traffic in the woods you just you take the alone feeling away it just ain't real makes sense makes sense so bring up lulu she's uh she's well known it for uh notes on sandwich bags everybody knows lulu like That's everybody funny. wants her picture with my hot wife and her sandwich bags and i'm like you know hey i'm the guy that eats the sandwich in the back right. she does she's been doing that for years and it's just something that uh she kind of picked up on and I think she, she got to know me. She knows that some days it doesn't always go your way. So it become a way just to kind of say, hey, keep your head up. So it just started with a little few notes here and there, right. a few notes here and there. And then it now became it's a big part of what she does. And everybody knows her part. And it's funny how many people read them and talk to her about it. And it could be a Bible scripture. It could be something funny. But she's always trying to put something positive for me to read in the middle of a competition day just to kind of say it's going to be okay. What's the one that she's written that stands out that just you always think uh, about that one? It was the last day of the AOY in 2016, the last day, the first two days I hadn't caught them very well. Uh, going into the third day, she wrote, I was fished for a few hours that morning, jumped down, grabbed the bag out, and it simply said, she said, I want to see your fight like you the third monkey at Noah's Ark and brother, it's starting to rain. And it, it was like, <laughs> What she's trying to tell you is she wants you to fight for your life. Right. Because it's, it's it. You it's know? about and to happen. And she put that, brother, it's starting to rain. I'm like, yeah, it's time to fight. So that was one that really stood out to me a lot. You know, uh, sometimes it could just be she'll just write a Bible scripture. Sometimes she just she wants to reinforce, you've got this. Right. And it's really weird how athletes and players play the game and where they can get mentally and how fast they can come back center. And how easy it is to get off course uh, when the day's going bad, man. You can, if you want it to, you can drive it in the ground. All right. I mean, you can run it and you can spiral frame right into the ground and can't get back up. Or you could just as easily turn it around. And I, I can't tell you how many days that I know by just simply reading that bag and standing back up going, yep, we got this. It changes the day. Has she ever forgotten? No. No? So you, I mean, have you, have you ever like wondered like, does she remember to put that? She ain't gonna forget. No, no, she's got. I mean, never. Now she's forgotten to put the jelly on the peanut butter sandwich, but she hadn't forgot the note. Well, maybe she's trying to cut back on your sugar. That's what I thought. I thought maybe she's hitting them getting fat. I don't know. I just, I just ate them. I may, didn't say nothing. I'm like, may, I love peanut butter. May want to make butter. another return note on that yeah, bag. Yeah, send it back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just yeah. a question here. It's funny because she's she like she's let my daughter pick some out. My son-in-law. She's sent. Like to her mother and daddy, she's at, at one season, she let everybody in the family write down one. So that okay. was like, she she puts a lot of energy into yeah, it's, it. Yeah, a lot of time, a lot of time and effort in that. Well, obviously we got a few people standing, sitting around, standing around it that I think have some questions for you. I know Jamie Dennison's got one. Uh, Jamie, you wanna come over and jump on the mic or you just wanna? No, I'll just holler. He said, I'm holler. I'm good. <laughs> Man, I seen you on a, uh, something on Facebook. You said you throw fish back and you didn't have a living. Yes. Is there any truth to that? Yes. Are you stupid? I am stupid. <laughs> I am stupid. And I thought about it because like one o'clock that day I still didn't have a limit and I thought, God, I am dumb. 
Yes, I was fishing and Kevin and I pulled up on the same spot. And Kevin's always the master of the mind game. He truly is. He's his confidence is dripping off of him, and if you let him, he can get here faster than anybody you've ever seen. And he he's a, he's the best at it. And I've only got like three. And he pulls right in by me, and we're sitting there looking at each other. So we're like mean mugging each other. And I'm throwing, I catch one like two pounds. And, and I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me. And I just threw him over my shoulder like that. And I said, boy, that ain't going to help me none. And he went, well, he pulls his trolling motor, and he races out there. And I'm thinking, that was stupid. That was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I couldn't help myself. I'm just like, I, I, I don't need that one, you know? Yeah. And, it, and at the end of that day, we're laughing. And, he goes, and he's like, you know, he's always dead serious. He pulls his head. He goes, bro, when I seen you culling that quick, I knew I was in trouble. I was thinking, no, I wasn't culling. I wasn't going to tell him that. I yeah. wasn't culling. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't culling, you know. That's awesome. And we done, we've done some stuff out there. You know, we used to, like, uh, we fish bass in a five-fish limit. The rule was you can't cull a dead fish. So a lot of tournaments, man, I'd be fishing and know that it's going to take a, a three-pound average to get paid, and you'll catch a two-pounder first thing, and he'll be bleeding. I just throw him back. Like, nope. And then I've had days where you fish the rest of the day trying to catch your fifth one. But if that fish dies, you have no chance to win in that in that format. Right. Which with the MLF now is different because we don't keep them. They're released immediately, so you don't fight that dead fish penalty. But man, you had to make some tough decisions. Do I keep a pound and a halfer? And if he dies, I can't get rid of him? Or, you know, do I just throw him back and gamble that I'm going to be good enough to catch another one? Right. So I was talking to just Randy Ehler yesterday. We're both, you know, SoCal guys. And he was talking about the difference just in mindset. You know, you can't. You can't take that, that gamble possibly to run 30, 45 minutes opposite side of a lake. You can't. And you know. You, you, what I noticed is it takes this, uh, you know, I'm a junk fisherman. So when I first got over there, I was like, man, this really fits your style. You're a junk fisherman. I said, dude, a junk fisherman is a guy to run by a log over there and he'll catch one. Right. He'll run over here by a boathouse and he'll catch one. I said, I don't catch seven or eight a day. I may catch them on different baits, but in a five fish tournament, you can scrounge out a lot of fish, catch, get some checks, move on. You can't stop and catch just one in this. You've got to go where there's multiple fish. So it kind of takes that whole style of fishing out. The first couple of tournaments I tried it and they just smothered me. I'm like, nah, you can't just be running down, you know, running down the canal and go, man, a little patch of grass. I bet I can flip me up a two pounder in there. And I right. do. You go to where there's a big patch of grass and you try to flip up 22 pounders. Mentally, you can't rest because you like the, in a five fish tournament, you can get this mentality that I can just take my time. You get six bites, catch five of them, I'm good. And you really just went in, a lot of times in fishing, people say, what was it like out there? And a lot of days was just a blur because I'd really just go into autopilot mode. And I never thought nothing about it. It was simply just, I may not have a fish at 11 o'clock and I'm simply, dude, it's like I'm not even thinking about what I'm doing. And at the end of the day, there's 18 pounds in live well. You had this mindset of, I got this. And this deal, the more you catch, the more you got to catch. So there's not ever that where, hey, I'm just going to put it on autopilot and just drift down here and catch a couple. Uh -uh. You're in this. It's almost like a cage fight. It's what I told them it feels like. They ring that bell, and for five minutes, you're swinging and covering up and swinging and covering up, and then they'll say, all right, you got a timeout, and you look around, and they ring the bell again. And it's a whole different, I'm more exhausted on that, that day of fishing from seven and a half hours than I am from a 15-hour practice day because my mind never it's shuts up. It's the mental exhaustion, Yeah, right? because I'm constantly thinking, okay, you caught 10, you're four pounds above the cut, move again. Right. Where in a regular tournament, you say, hey, I'm at 15 pounds. It's 11 o'clock. I got three hours to catch a five pounder. The mindset's different. You get this methodical, 
I would fish with three arms if they'd let me in this one. I mean, you're just trying to catch everything, and it's really tough to control your emotion because you know what everybody's got. Right. And it pisses you off when you ain't catching them. <laughs> I can I'm imagine, just going to yeah. be honest with you. When they say, score dragger update, you're 34 pounds back, you're like, you got to be kidding me. We ain't an hour into this, you know, and like Cliff Crochet had 61 pounds. I'm like, it's got to be a misprint. No. No. You're 61 pounds back. Where's he at and can I go run his boat? Yeah, over? I'm like, where can, can I shoot him from yeah. here? <laughs> you know? Well, we've already established, you know, you've got that skill set. So I can I probably mean, get him at a closer distance. Maybe a little. I'm learning. I'm on, I'm, this wasn't the year on MLF that I looked for. I didn't, have, I didn't have any catastrophic finishes, like dead last or nothing. I just ran middle of the pack. I, I got to pick my game up. I got to control the tempo of the game a little bit more right. and be able to keep my, I got to keep my, you know, sometimes people say passion is good. I you got to be passionate. You got to be passionate. Passion can be bad. You can be so passionate that you play bad. Right. So you kind of got to reel all that in and say, I need to be efficient, and strong, and quick, but not out of control. And it's so easy to get mentally mad because you're hustling with everything you got. You just got to catch one more bass, one more bass. And you reach down and pick a rod up, nine of them's tangled up. And they're like, well, you got seven minutes left to fish. Well, that just drives you crazy. You just want to grab them all and throw them up in the woods. You know, I'm like, that's the stuff, the little stuff is what gets you. You know, you, you, you got three minutes to go and you make a bad skip and backlash. Well, that rod's done. You ain't got time to pick it out. Right. So it's those little things that I got to work on to say, don't let that have any influence on what's going on. Well, let me know how that. Uh, PMA, baby. Yeah, yep. Let me know how that, you know, that backlash thing works out for it because I still haven't figured out. I'd I just throw them down now. When that backlash, I just throw them on the floor and keep moving. I'm like, I'll get that later. Well, get we that only, when you only got a few on a kayak, <laughs> you can't backlash them. That kind of becomes a problem. I'm telling you, man, that kayak yeah. fishing, I've done it a few times, and it was funny how much thought process I put in a one-day trip in the river because I was like, I'm only carrying one rod. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, good. It was like tournament mode. I'm like, okay. So I carry a spare spool, spare spool of line, I gotta have some, and I, I was strategically packing knowing that you, you can't haul a lot. Right. You don't just grab everything in the garage and say, oh, we got it, let's go. Like in my boat, I got everything in there. You get in that kayak, you put some thought in there before you start paddling away. Absolutely. You screw that one rod up, you're done. Absolutely. So, this young man right here has got a very interesting story that, well, you can relate to. Matthew. <laughs> what you got, son? What you got, come on. Hey, in you, fact, you just, poop come your here. pants in the fourth grade? Oh, well, it wasn't the fourth grade. Come here, man. I'm, you did it as a grown man. I'm going to come here, son. Come on. Son, you have now joined the club. You are now a real man Hang when on. you when you poop your pants. Couple. It happens. How old are you, Matthew? 16. You're getting there. All right. Let me tell you something, son. I'll give you some Let's rules see. of the road. Sit down. Let me tell you a few things you're going to need to learn. So you're 16 and you finally did it. You broke out and you, you pooped your pants. Yes, sir. There's nothing to be ashamed of. It's all in how you handle it. Being embarrassed ain't good. You got to own it. When you do it, own it. Where no matter, if you're in church, and they say, amen, you say, I, I pooped my pants. <laughs> amen. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Embrace it. After 30, don't trust any sneezes with a fart mixed in. <laughs> don't. Don't. My daddy told me two things. Never trust a blanker, never trust a fart. He's right on schedule. The older you get, you'll find yourself in a hotel bathroom going, I can't believe this just happened. Embrace it. He's got an own GoPro. That ain't what you want to hear, son. No. <laughs> no. That ain't what you want to hear. When a guy, when a guy's got it on GoPro, I mean, because see, that kind of stuff's supposed to be like a ghost sight. You like, you're not supposed to oh, see it. I told it. him nobody's gonna know about that. And now, 
Everybody, Everybody knows yeah. about Embrace it. Embrace it, son. It happens two or three times a year with me. That's one of those things. It's kind of like, you know, when you do that, you're practice dancing in your, yep. in your bedroom. You don't record that and send that video to anybody. Nobody. 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 And the more you hunt Nobody. as you get older, you'll be in them bushes a lot, son. Yes, sir. And if you ever can't go, put a safety belt on for hunting season. I don't care what you do. You could be stopped up for a year. You drink you one cup of coffee, put 14 layers of long johns on, 13 tops, your binoculars, and when that safety belt goes on, click, 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 it'll go, ow, go right then, because you can't get all that back off. <laughs> I've got safety belts scattered over four states. Gloves, mittens, because I'll be going through the yard just throwing stuff. My wife said it can't be that bad, so when she started hunting with me the first time she got all dressed up, she clicked that safety belt, she looked at me, she said, really? I said, I told you. <laughs> Something about it, son. When that safety belt goes click, your body knows, well, I'm pinned in. There you go. Embrace it, son. Own it. Yes, sir. Ain't nothing wrong with it. There you go. Chick's like a guy that poops pants every now and then. Yeah. Means he's humble. Yes, sir. Or he ate at Waffle House. That means you're a baller. <laughs> Waffle House is like, I don't know, y'all have that out west? South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, you Waffle House, man. You know what it's all about. Yes, that's that's like pimp food where I'm from. Every time I go to the deer stand, I have a stomach ache. It hurts. Something about that smell of bark and pine and leaves. One of the biggest bucks I've ever killed, there's toilet paper hanging down the stand. What's wrong with that? You're marking it. You're letting him know. You're about to shoot the crap out of him, wasn't he? 19 inches. There you go. See? He'll be all right. He's going to make it. You grow. It, it, it. it gets better. You guys have any questions for, for G-Man while he's here? Pants I didn't do <laughs> yeah, Pants, pants, or, pants or, or bridges? Pants. It's breeches. Breeches. <laughs> draws, really, if you want to know the truth. My house, y'all, I say, where my draws at? <laughs> you know, you have your underdraws and your draws. You know, she'll be like, you want your underdraws or your draws? I'll say, my draws. There you go. You got it. Right on. Well, Jeremy, appreciate your time coming Glad on Glad you guys here. had me on. It was the last stop of the day, and I'm fixing to wind it down, head back. So y'all going to head back to SoCal and start doing it all well, over Well, you got again. guys heading, heading everywhere. You got North Carolina, you got South Carolina. Where are you actually going next? Uh, Kentucky Missouri. Lake. Kentucky Lake, Missouri. Kentucky. I'll You got to get it, man. You, you need some time on the water. What's it then? Really? Yeah, yeah I'm going to bring this up in front of South Carolina. That's going to happen, right? Yeah. When are you going to come? Cooper River, South Carolina. Man, that Cooper River now is tricky now. It's been tough. Has it not been any good since the guys were there? It's been tough. Little fish? And we've lived on the Cooper River. What happened to all the biggins? They're there in spring and fall is a piece of cake. The rest of the year, deep fish take 12, 13 pounds per turn. When we were there, the last time I fished out of Leith there, I fished. I didn't, them boys run all the way to the Cooper. What's that, about 100 Georgetown, miles? It's 100 miles from Georgetown. I, I, did, I ran to that other river. I'm trying to think of the name of it. Santee? No, it's, it's going toward the Cooper, but it's... Santee? Santee. I went up the Santee River. There's some big ones up there. Yeah. Just not a lot of them. Okay, you probably know, I still ran 50 minutes. I mean, it ain't nothing close around there. Just when it, it was Santee Cooper Lake any good anymore? See, I'm going to go up there when it gets the river falls off. Oh, yeah. Well, the lake, during the springtime, you can't beat the lake. I mean, it takes it's 30 good. pounds to But the summer fishing used to, when we were there, the summer fishing had gotten really poor at yeah. Santee Cooper. Unless you got brush piles. Yeah. About everywhere you go. Yes, sir. Keep your brush out. Yes, sir. There you go. Don't hide all your eggs in the same place. Solid advice. Yes, sir. Right. We live by a lot of your advice in our house. Yeah.
Oh yeah, PMA. PMA. <laughs> Somebody took one. I had one on today, and some guy took. He wanted one. I said, "Hey, just take the one I got." So yeah. We went through three of them at the house already last year. I got one. <laughs> so. Whopper got hooked in my hand, and the bracelet was hooked too. You remember that? Whopper plopper got it. Yeah, yeah, he had to, yeah, had to, had to cut the bracelet off to get that whopper plopper undone. No, he, she was about to pass out. I was like, I got it out. It was like six o'clock in the morning. I was getting top water bite. I went to the house, got it out, and went back out fishing. And I lost a five pounder that morning too. You gonna you gonna hook yourself a bunch fishing? Yep. I had some answers. Man, you ever hook yourself? I said, you mean how many times a year? <laughs> I I did say I average. Four to seven times a year. Matt Lee says, because he tell me, he said, you got eagle talon hands. Because when I fish, dude, I throw them in the boat, I don't care what's in them, I just grab them. And they'll flop around the hook, go through here in my hand, I'll just cut it and pull it back out. Matt's like, dude, that ain't, that ain't even right. <laughs> he said, I don't even think you got zero feeling in your hands. He said, I've seen them behind your fingernail. And he said, you just keep like fishing and pulling. He's like, I'm dying. And Matt gets one in his hand. He's like, oh, oh, oh. I said, Matt, get up. He said, it hurts. I said, get up. You're embarrassing me. People's gonna see you flopping around down there. <laughs> I said, you get my age, man. I fish so much and been in the cold so much. I don't think I got good feeling in my hands. Yep. Uh, it takes a toll That's on them. Duck. All them carpenter works. Us duck hunters, we get used to that. Yeah. Uh, mine, mine hurt worse now. My joints hurt worse when I get cold, man. They get really painful, but That's can't feel nothing. When we get older, we start getting arthritis. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, we ain't gonna talk about that. Age I got, is a state of mind. I got I got arthritis, bursitis, crippled up itis. I got every itis you can get. Every knee, joint, elbow hurts. I'm like, man, it's rough. And a lot of it's been rough living. It ain't just been rough fishing. It's just rough living. My wife says, because you don't do nothing at an easy speed. you just all over everything. Riding the skid steer wide open, riding the tractor wide open, ride everything wide open. She goes, really? You just you gonna try to kill yourself? I think I got another bracelet in here. Let me look. I know she packed me some. I got some vitamins in case you get tired. So yes, supposed sir. to be a one a day, but hell looks like five to me, don't it? I ain't got that down pat yet. I got you a one a day, it's a five pack. I said, then it ain't a one a day. That's a five a day, honey. I don't know, what she doing? I got some hats, son, in case you wanna join NASCAR. Got some liquor drink bottles right there, somebody, look here. I got you one, huh? Thank there you. you. Give one to Pops right here. I got you one too. Now I'm gonna keep one, cause that boy stole mine. Positive mental attitude. Though. There you go. Got a buff. Thank you. Have that too. I don't. Somebody put that in there. <laughs> Got a parking ticket. No, I ain't gonna give you that. <laughs> What's the biggest buck you've ever killed? 164 with a bow. I killed a 161, a 164, and several, a bunch of 150s with a bow. I've killed one almost 160 with a bow in Alabama, which is hard to do. I've never broke the 170 mark. Well, and I've shot it one in my life that I knew was over 170 inches at like 45 yards, and just, just right at right the last second, it just started falling out. This is like I just cut the hair out. Like, you ever done any duck hunting? Yeah, I'm a duck shooter. I'm not a duck hunter. I go shoot, but I, I don't proclaim to be a good duck hunter. I can kill them now. Trust me, I get mine, but I don't carry no calls. I just show up and get in the blind. And I said, tell me when to shoot them off. Andy Morgan's a duck hunter. He's probably the best duck hunter you will ever sit in a blind with in your life. Tennessee. That boy <laughs> speaks the language. He'll call them in and make them land on the gun barrel, shoot them, and call again, resurrect them, and kill them again. 
<laughs> and I don't want him to hear me say that. He And I've hunted with like some world-class duck hunters. They ain't even in his league. Wow. Now, it, it, it won't be pretty. You love to have a willow limb cut over your back laying down in a swamp. I mean, he don't have no big fancy pits and he don't have no bunch of dogs. Uh-uh. He's just a killer. And he don't, he don't call a lot, man. He picked that call up. It was like, it was like he was playing in an orchestra or something. Dude. Them ducks are just like, Shoo! I'm like, dude, that's unreal. But most of the good duck hunters I've ever hunted with that I really admire, they didn't call as much as what they know when to call. That's what I noticed about Andy. He knew when to hit it. He could tell you, man, it was a certain distance out, the way they was pitched, how they was turned, which way they're facing, where the wind's at. He'd tell you right when he's going to call. Like he said, when he hits right there, I'm going to do it. He would hit that call and he'd be like, if he, he said, I, dude, that takes a lot of skill. But he's done it since he was that big on the Tennessee River. It's all it. Andy hunts, bow hunts all the way through. He starts in September in Nebraska and he'll hunt all the way through to when duck season comes in. And then he won't miss another duck hunting day. And he, he's got a big place in Ripley, Tennessee now. He, I forgot how many they killed last year, but it was he said it was the best year they ever had. How many different colored jigs you got in your tackle box? About three, brown and black. <laughs> I got some green pumpkins. Yeah, they don't wrap it up with green pumpkins. Yeah, I mean, I just, my nephew fished with me. He wants to be a fisherman now, and he's 19, a good fisherman. He, everybody, they's laughing. They get in there, he said, gee, they think you're just kidding. You get in there, I got a, I got a thousand pack. It's a 1,000 count of brown skirts, finesse skirts. And then I got a big bag of jigs. And a bag. I said, that's it. That's what I'm going to throw. Yes, I ain't going to give them no other choice. I asked him, I said, do you ever quit catching them on? He said, no. I said, then we don't need to buy no more colors. I said, there's times I think it might matter, but for the most part, I'm throwing what I got confidence in. You know, in a brown jig. Yep. You got it. Guys, I'm gone. All right. Thanks for having me hey, on. Man. I appreciate it. Good luck with that pooping. Thank you. Bowen, you used all my dude wipes. I'd have left you one. I almost did a video in the bathroom. Game came.